On the subject of memoir, the writer Isabel Allende once wrote, A memoir forces me to stop and remember carefully. In a memoir, I look at myself, my life, and the people I love the most in the mirror of the blank screen. In a memoir, feelings are more important than facts. And to write honestly, I have to confront my demons. I think you can safely say that for my guest today on the program, yeah, she confronted her demons. So much so, in fact, that if she had a checklist, she could turn to her checklist and be like, okay, demons confronted, did that. Next, make tea. I don't know. What else do you do after you confront demons? Well, you write a book is what you do. And she did just that. I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. My guest today on the program is the author Hannah Sward. Let me tell you a little bit about the woman who is not afraid to stare down those demons, Hannah Sward. The daughter of the late critically acclaimed poet Robert Sward, Hannah Sward grew up surrounded by literature. Her unconventional childhood of the 70s found her moving around with her dad, eating tofu and brown rice, and having gurus visit the house. But Sward's memoir, Strip, isn't just about an eccentric childhood. It's a far darker affair than that. Kidnapped in the park as a child by a stranger in a van and sexually assaulted by him, Sward chronicles her young life in unflinching detail. But she doesn't stop there. She candidly describes her 20s and 30s working as an escort and a stripper and bravely documents her addiction to meth and alcohol, along with the great pains she took to keep her work and her addictions secrets from everyone in her life. Strip is a raw and feral memoir that's punctuated by streetwise poetry, achingly precise descriptions, and a collage of memories that float together to form a complete picture of the lived life. Harrowing, moving, and written with authorial finesse and undeniable narrative velocity, Strip is one of the best books of the year. Yeah, the content is painful and tough, but Sward navigates the darkness by infusing it with her own brand of light. Not only is she a knockout writer of tremendous talent, she's an incredibly nice person, and I can't wait for you to meet her. So let's get to it. Here's me and Hannah Sward having a conversation right here on Stereo Embers. The podcast. emotional resonance with Thanksgiving what what is it for you yeah I uh well my last I mean I know this is about creativity uh but part of my creativity is is uh needing to uh over the last number of years uh yeah not do drugs and and all that I mean to the point where that I was doing it uh for myself but anyway so my last not sober Thanksgiving at around this time, which was 12 years ago, was at a diner in Hollywood called Swingers. And it was Thanksgiving morning that I went there. This was my good idea with my sister to be dominatrix foot fetish sisters uh, and interview this guy from Newport, this lawyer, to see if he would be a good candidate for our client. 
And that was my last, uh, that was, yeah, not the, I, not the life that I was thinking for myself. So this is more along the lines. Uh, so yeah, it does. You know, I was driving by there yesterday and I just thought, wow, I mean, that was 12 years ago. And here I am today getting to talk about creativity. It's quite a leap forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, I suppose that that's something to be incredibly thankful for. I am. It's uh, more than I could have imagined, you know. Yeah, I I loved your book, and I and I felt, um, you know, I was really it was such an immersive experience, and it was so um, I love how unflinching and raw it was, and I think that it's sort of like someone told me the secret in life is contrast, and I think that that beautiful moment in the end where it's just like back to simplicity with your father, and um, there's that just that beautiful contrast of the chaos is behind me. And now it's like holding my father's hand and, and, and living a life of a writer and a, and an artist. Um, and I'm sure it feels really good to have all that stuff on paper and done. Um, but you know, the current creative moment for you, you must be, there must be a bunch of things percolating and on the, on the stove cooking right now, artistically. Well, one, thank you so much for that about the book. And, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, an episode that you had done last night with a musician, and and in that, this coming from you means a lot. So thank you uh, with about that with the book. And I was thinking, like, oh, okay, so creativity. What will I be talking about? And I I have to be honest that the percolating having the book come out in the last couple of months and supporting that coming out into the world and doing the book tour and, and interviews and podcasts has taken up uh, a certain amount of energy. And the creativity part, uh, Yeah, I think I'm just in a place more where I trust it will come when it comes again. Mm. And that wasn't always the case. I used to be very mil uh, militant, a strong word, but very like when I was before I was writing the book and I want to write again, uh, you know, I would write two pages a day, no matter what handwritten and it didn't matter what I was writing. And I needed to do that at that time for quite a, for a number of years because I didn't trust that I would come back to the page. Mm. And I think more trust now and more breathing a little more easy with it. And that's just in this moment, I could change that. <laughs> you know, if we talked tomorrow, right? Uh, or later today. <laughs> or later today. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But so right now, the artistic stuff is the artistic stuff is uh, you know, I feel like it is percolating on some level, and I, I do have a number of projects I really want to get back to, and I'm at the same time I'm not sure which one, and I'm not sure which direction I want to go. Uh, especially since there's been some interest in the book in terms of, you know, 
the the uh, end of it where it's like, oh, an agent wants to see the next book. And I'm just not even sure if that's the book I want to work on. Mm. And I don't even know if I want it to be under my name. <laughs> so, mm. so I'm just in a place of you know, letting things uh, kind of be right now. And, and part of me wanted to start writing a couple of days ago when I found out I was going to be doing this with you so I could say, yes, I write every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, yes, I'm, I'm writing. <laughs> but, well, you know, I've had musicians tell me they put the guitar down for like six months. That was the episode, one of the you know episodes I was listening to of yours last night with the musician was exactly that. That this particular um, musician hadn't been uh, playing for a little while or or creating music, and I definitely identify with with that. And uh, that that was a real struggle for me for quite a while, uh, especially with having a father who was so prolific and always writing, always always writing. You no. Know, uh, I mean, I did an interview the other day where, you know, I was sharing that, I mean, he, I remember, him, you know, he was a big swimmer. And so we, he was doing uh, laps at the university. And in the middle of them, he like stops and he calls for the lifeguard, lifeguard, you know, lifeguard, I need a pen and paper because his, you know, end of a poem had come to, come to him. So uh, kind of, you know, in a way that somewhat haunted me, like, oh, I'm, I want to be like that. Yeah, sort of possessed by the thought, right? Where it's like, I need to pull over the car or stop the shower, <laughs> right? Or like, tell my friend I have to go to the other room for a minute and get something. I'm really going to write something down. And yeah, I I understand that. And, you know, I, I think about the idea that you, you carried this book around with you your whole life, right? And so it's like, and there it is. And then I think you have a happy problem in front of you, which is, all these different possible roads, literary roads you can go is kind of a pleasant dilemma when you think about it, right? Appreciate that. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I like to look at it that way because I think it can also be a place of, which I don't want to come from, of, of pressure, like, oh, well, people like this, the next work as much as this one, or uh, what route should I go? Uh and there are a lot of possibilities. Mm -hmm. that, that is a place where where I want to continue to be, whatever that looks like. Not so much in the results, but in the possibilities. And the first thing you have to do is please yourself, ultimately, right? It's like, if you're not happy with the thing, who cares what other people think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that is uh, pages that are written maybe for who knows, like that, you know, put in my uh, closet with papers. <laughs> yeah, I've got a closet filled with those. Yes, yeah. And I mean, sometimes I'm like, why am I keep here all this, like, all the boxes? I'm like, well, I don't know. Sometimes one, maybe one day I'll go back into it, which is what happened with the book. So I was glad I did save some of the journals over the years because I, I was able to pull from them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid that when I die, people will go through my closets and go, this guy sucked. <laughs> this <laughs> stuff is terrible. Yeah, I read that with one of my favorite writing books, Natalie Goldberg's uh, Writing Down the Bones. And I don't know if she doesn't say it in that, but in one of the interviews I read with her, uh, 
she had written that one of her friends had had done that and gone through her journals, Natalie's journals. If I'm remembering this, maybe I'm making this wrong, but whatever it is, it makes me feel better. And just uh, was saying that this is very boring. A lot of it's boring. And I relate to, like, I was so thrilled to hear that because, uh, you know, a lot of my stuff, it, you know, it's not up to me to decide that, but it's up to me to write. That's why I've always felt weird about when a band that I love, who are no longer around, maybe someone died, and they find all these demos that were home recordings, and then they put them on some anniversary collection. I always feel that's a super big invasion. Um, but the 16-year-old version of me wants to hear all of it. But like the 52-year-old version of me realizes that it feels like an invasion. And it feels almost wrong to do because they weren't intent they were for the closet they weren't intended for us yeah yes and yet i i really love to see the behind the scenes part of it i know that's the dilemma right, like, yeah yeah like i have all these boxes of my father's papers um and going through them and journals and you know all these manuscripts that weren't published and it's in gold yeah it's incredible right yeah yeah i know i know and i think that that's you know there is a sort of beauty in being able to go through those um but that's private that's between you and him the public doesn't see yeah. that right that's so which is really beautiful um yeah so you get this glimpse like i in many ways i wish that uh for a lot of people that their parents were writers so they could leave behind the written word because sometimes you just have to extrapolate you know from the lived life what they were like or what their inner thoughts were but with your father it's all it's love it's there it is i mean you know, i was going through stuff just a few months ago uh, up north near where you are and came across this manuscript from 1969 when he went to india wait no 1972 and uh reading those parts about his search for you know with the gurus and uh and then years later you know when i was maybe by the time i was born and maybe six or seven and he was having those conversations with me he wrote those conversations down mm, what a gift yes it was like he was speaking to me you know from the other side and of the soul and what it is to connect with another which yeah. I suppose would have been like if, if you guys had been texting right if you had the ability to text in 1972 that might have been an accurate transcript right yes yeah I I was going through a phase uh, where I was dating uh that's another whole thing but I thought well I want this is good stuff to transcribe <laughs> because maybe I'll use it one day and also it makes it a little more bearable uh, so I was like transcribing all the text with guys and and that yeah that's like a transcript of it I don't know what I'm going to do with it but it's like a hundred pages of text of um there it is yeah stuff stuff <laughs> were you um you and I have a very similar lineage were you were you Canadian born though or were you born in the states uh, Canadian yeah are you born in Canada no no I'm I'm oh. um I'm my parents are from New York um but my father went to NYU. 
you and I are both Jewish. Your, your mother was Jewish as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. And my grandparents went to NYU. And Right. So your is your mother a Canadian? She's a Canadian Jew. No, she's an American Jew. And my dad was also born in, uh, my mom was born in New York City and my dad was born in Chicago. But he uh, moved to the States to, or I mean to Canada and to Victoria. And he got a job at the University of Victoria. And in the early 70s, he gave up his American citizenship. Mm. Canadian, uh, which was always a sore point later when I would talk about things with him. And he'd be like, you know, I have dual citizenship. You have dual. Like a sore point that says he wished he hadn't given it up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it probably seemed like a good idea at the time. Yes. Especially, right. yeah, of course, at that time. Yeah. In the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I bring that up because, you know, there's a sort of, you know, I'm not religious, but but my my sort of Jewish identity has been shaped by the Beastie Boys, Woody <laughs> Allen movies, you know, the humor and the sort of you know, Mel Brooks, the idea that you can make things that are terrible seem comical through humor, right? What what Joan Rivers calls shrinking the dragon. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always been my way through the world. You know, it's how the world made sense to me was through humor. Um, can you talk a little bit, because in the book, you don't really get into it. There's these glancing. There's a lot of matzo ball soup and bagel runs. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. um, and there's, there's, you know, there's a, a synagogue passed by. Um, yeah. But Jewish identity, did you, was that important to you? And is that important to you? And what is your experience with that? My father was really into the Eastern philosophy growing up. And so Judaism wasn't, or being even being Jewish wasn't wasn't really a thing. However, when I would go visit my mom, it was more of that. Mm. Uh, she would kind of talk about that lineage more. You know, she was like, "Oh, well, you know, us Jewish girls with the, you know, uh, whatever that." would be, which would often be about the, the hair. <laughs> well, we have the Jewish hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my Jufro. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, however, you know, what you're talking about with the humor and the, it's a huge part of me. I mean, it's not in the book, but my older sister lives in Israel. So I have my dad was married five times. So there's a lot that's not in the book because it just became too many characters. Can't have all those half brothers and sisters. It just became chaotic. Uh, and in my father's later years, he became very involved in the synagogue, uh, in the congregation, uh, with. I mean, in a little bit of an unorthodox way, though. I mean, in uh, for example. At his 80th birthday, he was uh, getting married to his fifth wife. They had been together a lot of years, but they had a reunion. And it was with the the um, the rabbi and the rabbi's husband. And you know, not something I really see in Los Angeles is, you know, uh, a rabbi and, and his husband. So it's very, you know, Santa Cruz. <laughs> Uh, and I, I share that because it's been on my mind, especially, and I don't think I'm really answering your question, but it was, 
I know I haven't talked about it too much, but my father passed earlier this year. And in the last week that I was there, the rabbi and his husband came a few times to sing and to hold space around his bed at home. Mm. And he also, you know, was um, both of them did the, uh, the celebration of life, which we did a few months ago. And uh, in the Jewish part, there is that Jewish just humor and the and there was laughter in the last days of my father. You know, uh, it's like just this. You know, we, we read his poems around the bed, and at one point, where I was talking about to him, you know, about like when he wouldn't teach, he would he would bark in the kitchen. He just loved just not. You know, he didn't, he loved teaching, but he also just wanted to be home in his studio writing. So at one point, you know, I think it was one or two days before he passed, he just, we we're talking about that. And it was my brother, him and I around his bed. And my dad just goes, bruh, bruh. And we all start barking. And it was just this like beautiful moment or reading his poems next to his bed. And my dad, you know, he couldn't really speak or anything, but he was, you could see the smile on his face at some of the, because a lot of his poems are quite humorous. Mm -hmm. um, and especially in his later poems, they're a lot, they're all, they're, there's one book that he published called Rosicrucian in the Basement about his father and uh, Judaism. So he got so much more into it uh, as time went on, which had, a, you know, definitely influenced me as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, so answer was a bit all over the place <laughs> no no that, because I, I feel like it, it's interesting because I feel like for me having not been raised Jewish right <clears throat> but just like you but sort but you I feel like there's something that you can't escape and that is this sort of there is this this Jewish identity and it's I know I'm generalizing but it feels like there is a an unsinkable element to us in the sense that giving up isn't really an option in, in for the modern day Jew, right? It feels to me like giving up is something that, that we don't do. It feels like there's something, there's always possibility is always there. There's an optimism, I think, and maybe it's because of what we've gone through. I love that about the optimism. Yeah, I think so. I mean, dad was my father and, and I definitely feel I have that in myself. As much sorrow and grief, there's this optimism. And in what you're talking about with humor, it's just there. And I feel just like yourself, not having been raised Jewish, I, I feel very Jewish. And when I'm talking with people, I'm like, oh, he must be a Jew. You know, unless they know I'm Jewish, it doesn't, you know, they're like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm like, oh, I can say it. <laughs> Believe me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's also it's like weirdly important in a weird way. Like I'll say, yeah. I'll say, I'll say, oh, this uh, this writer, Jewish guy, and, I, yeah. and it's like, who cares? But we sort of do care. It's weird. It is. <laughs> no, yeah. it's just like this underlying this. Yeah, and in the book, when I have the Jewish sugar daddy, the or we're very orthodox Jewish sugar daddy, it's so hard for me not to tell him I'm Jewish. But I just feel that. like I can't. Like I'm just like I, that would be somehow crossing the line. I couldn't tell him I was a fellow Jew. 
It's amazing he didn't know. It's it's probably because there wasn't a ton of talking. No talking, which was great. I really appreciated that about him. It was just, it was the talking like in the strip club. I think, I don't know how much I capture of that, but that was the worst part. And most of the girls felt that same way too. It was just like, don't talk to us. <laughs> just no talking. <laughs> yeah, no talking. I'll do a thing where I'll watch it. Say a friend of mine will say, hey, we'll go see this movie. And I'll call him. We're both Jewish. And I'll say, hey, you know that actress? Okay, I'll go, Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> like it's some kind of like triumph for that we're, no. that we're <laughs> prospering. <laughs> but I guess, you know, I don't know what that is. I don't even know why I do that, but I've always done it. It's always um, been a thing. I, I don't know what it is. Um, Same. And my stepfather, I mean, he only wanted to have a child with a Jew. He's Irish, but he only wanted to have a child with a Jewish woman. Really? Yeah. He's like, she's got to be Jewish. <laughs> See, because talking to you now, I, I can tell. I know. I know you're Jewish. It's very obvious <laughs> to me, but we have the same, you know, it's it's almost like we can spot each other. I, <laughs> I know. I you know. know. Without that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in the book, you know, I, I mean, the book is not funny, but I do think there are moments that are just the contrast, the sheer contrast of the situation, you know, like, you know, in this horrifying sort of sexual situation in your brain, you're thinking, I just want to be home drinking hot chocolate. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sort of funny in a, in a, in a way. I, yeah. I mean, it's the way it's, it's a way of thinking, right? Like I, I, I remember doing one interview recently where the person's like, well, how did you create the humor? Like that contrast? I'm like, well, you know, it's not like a conscious creation. <laughs> Right in what what was going through my mind when I was, you know, uh, with the particular man and thinking about Dove bars, chocolate Dove bars, and, you know, tuna sandwiches. I'm like, I just want to get, you know, and well, hope will that Seven Eleven have that tuna sandwich or would the other one? <laughs> That's see that to me, I thought that was really funny. Um, I also sort of saw it as. I'm not really in control of this situation, but I can be in control of that one. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And then when they don't have it at that 7-Eleven and I burst into tears because I'm like, it's not here. How can this be? Like what now? What am I going to have? Like dark chocolate? <laughs> <I'm> horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the injustice of dark chocolate. Injustice. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you and your sister are like, you know, driving 30 or 40 miles for a yogurt flavor. You know, it's like there's a real commitment to to the right flavors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be another whole book is just writing about the things that we did together, which, uh, yeah, we, we were really hell on wheels, the two of us together. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys still very tight? Yeah, I'm going to be going there after this, uh, after uh, spending time with you. We're going to have our Thanksgiving at her house. She has a house in Boyle Heights, in Los Angeles. Hmm. So I'll be meeting her and my stepfather and my nephew and uh, with our Thanksgiving, which consists of all of us picking one thing that we want. So the combination is going to be uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, waffles. My little nephew's making pork, which I told him I'm Jewish and I can't eat that pork, but he doesn't care. <laughs> and I pulled the Jewish card in that way. 
we always pulled we always pulled at convenient times yeah i'm like i can't <laughs> yeah. yeah so that little guy that's in the book who was two is now 14 but anyway yes we're very we're still very close but she lives on the other side of town so we don't see each other as much but we're, we're like that oh i love hearing that yeah um it's funny because i was thinking you know for all the things that you were having to deal with there's that great moment where you sort of talk about how it's hard enough just to be a person, right? Like, let alone somebody with addiction um, who's sort of, you know, having to make money the way you're making money. Strip that stuff away and you look at like the days are long, right? You're measuring what the time it would take to put your head on the pillow at night, which means you've got through the day. Um, and it is, it's really hard just to be a person in the world not even dealing with addiction just as a just as a civilian <laughs> it's just it's hard right. yeah definitely it is it is and it's like how do how do i want to how do i want to show up for this right you know, what what is important to me and what and that's such a part of the whole creative process too stripping down what is most important what do i value and then when all these other things are coming at you know or at least me and i would imagine other people too it's like how do i do how do i read that through and get to the core of what really sits with me and nourishes me you know it's sort of like you have to take care of the cat and go <laughs> shopping and wash the dishes and you know take the car and get the oil changed and be a good friend and um, show up, right? Like you have to show up. And sometimes you don't want to, and sometimes it's hard to. Um, but I would, I would just think that like your book sort of, it reminded me that it's just, it's so hard to be a person every single day, every single minute of it. Um, did sobriety, did that sort of cast a light over the sort of, quotidian life the normal daily life um because a friend of mine he when he got sober he said to me i can't believe how long a day is i never knew how long a day was right but do you first of all do you do you feel you must fill those days with moments and did you do you find that there's now a pleasure in how long a day is and how time has now stretched out in a totally different context the the greatest of gifts and the one thing that I wanted my whole life was to be able to, you know, I mean, the beginning of the book, I dedicate it to sitting in the hours and it could, now it could be, you know, sitting in the, in the moment or something, but it's sitting in the hours. There's something about this, this idea of hours that was so terrifying to me that I would just sit at home. Like I couldn't tolerate, couldn't tolerate being. So you know, being a crystal meth addict, I was just uh, go, right? Whatever that looked like. And maybe just staying in one place, but taking a power, the door knobs, there's no doorknob, uh, which was, you know, I, I always, well, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Apparently, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> well, whatever it was, but there was no concept of time, just you know, no time, just this tunnel of chaos. And now, the the terror i don't have that terror 100 percent of the time of the hours 
mm -hmm. I'm able to sit in it and um and the days don't feel so long they feel actually they go by too quick which is really interesting to even hear myself say right now because it's if I'm all you know this is a very difficult time in my life with having lost my father this this year uh and and, and with the book coming out has been amazing it's been all of these things right and there's the days with the book tour and then going through my father's things and, you know, going through the whole house and uh, his writing studio, which is, you know, what was 88 when he passed. So it was like 70 years of work. The days been filled with grief, but also going, they go by pretty fast. And a lot of times, like people will be like, I'm, like, I'm not like, I haven't been able to read much lately at all, except for poetry. And, and I'm not a TV watcher. Someone was saying the other day, well, what do you do to spend, What? how do you spend your time then? And you're not writing? Like, well, I, I don't even know. Like, I just, I'm looking out the window. Mm. And the days go fast. <laughs> so, yes. However, when I first got sober, and I think I hope I speak to this in the book that those hours sober, that's real time. Whereas before it's like, this is impossible. You know, I was talking to a girl last night that had three days sober and she was just good. I can just feel terror in her, you know, or maybe I was projecting for how I felt back then. Cause I still remember like from six to not like, how am I going to do this? It just felt so every second. To hear you sober saying the days are short means that you've arrived somewhere magical. Yeah, I have. I have. And, and it's really good for me to remember that because sometimes I get greedy and I want more. Maybe mm. that's not greediness, but this idea that more, period, which is a very, for me, unsettling place to be. And then when I re am reminded, oh, this is everything I wanted. Like, I, I have everything I wanted. Mm. You no, know, I feel when I get quiet, my father in my heart, like I, I can sit and look out the window. And, um, and I say this and also at the same time as I'm saying this to you, Alex, I feel like a bit of a phony because I'm like, also, really chaotic in my head and and just I feel like chaos right now in my life mm -hmm. so so it's like kind of bullshit like I've been saying all this and I'm like I'm like sitting here like oh I'm just a zen you know girl in Los Angeles who's gotten sober and now she has her book out and she's all like well no <laughs> so, <laughs> no but, but I mean can't both those things be true at the same time yeah so it's not bullshit at all because it, it it is, they're both true. And I think there's enough space in our heads to go, okay, those two things can exist in the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and I mean, it doesn't sound like bullshit to me at all. And I think that one of the things that, that I love about your writing, like my favorite moment in the book, this is my absolute, this is almost like set, telling an artist, here's my favorite song on the album, which is no, like- No, I love it. <laughs> okay. 
I love that. Part. Like even someone's read my book. <laughs> just a like lot of people that. have read your book. It's and they and a lot of people will. It's my favorite moment is a very it's a very quiet moment, and um, it's a moment where you're you're young, and you hear music in the park, and the music is so beautiful you can't swallow the food that you're eating. Do you remember that part? Yeah. And to me, like your your sensitivity as a person, and your you you're to borrow a wound uh, to borrow to borrow a phrase from Saul Bellow, you're like an open wound of a person, right? Where if music in the park as a young girl makes it so beautiful, you can't even swallow the ice cream that you're eating. Mm -hmm. um, that's a sensitive, beautiful soul. That's my favorite moment. I just love that moment so much. Thank you for that. I, uh, I'll never forget that moment. And I was actually there where those flute players were. Um, I was there last month in Toronto during the book tour. And I hadn't been back since I was sober to that spot. And it's like I so wanted those flute players to be there. And it felt very different, of course, because it's, uh, 40 something, you know, I don't know how many years later, uh, uh, but the structure and the space is still there. And if it's the one that you're talking about, it's yeah, where I don't have any money to put in there, in the, in the uh, guitar case, but I mm -hmm. strawberries and I put the strawberries in there. That's right. And, and it is so beautiful. Like those moments, right. Where it's, um, and those moments are when I'm connecting to those moments throughout the day like that's that's it right there like there's really nothing more important than, and I get caught up in all the other stuff and it sounds maybe kind of corny but it really like that that is it right there yeah and it was a beautiful moment because it was sort of like it's like you were saying with the gift of the strawberries, you've given me something organic and I'm going to give you something organic, right? Which is more valuable than money anyway. Mm, I didn't think of that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope the strawberries were good. <laughs> I'm sure they were wonderful. Your, um, what's really interesting to me is the way the book is, it reminds me, there's something very stark about it. And I was trying to, I finished it and I thought, what is it that wasn't there? And it reminded me of like Edward Hopper paintings where it's like, nobody really talked to each other, right? It was like, there was this sort of like, okay, Rilke's moving to New York. It's not like, hey, we got to sit down and talk. Here's what I'm, th it's like, she, then she's gone. Um, all these decisions that were made, okay, now we're going to go lose weight. Now we're going to go do this thing. There's never any conversation um, around these big events that end up happening. Yeah. And I thought it was really brilliant how you how you wrote the book that way, where it was sort of like jump cut to <laughs> the thing, right? And um, it was interesting to me how, as we get to the end of the book, what ends up saving you is conversation community with these people and these women in this house that was from 1951 community conversation that exchange where it's like oh i'm not the only person who was 
kidnapped. I'm not the only person who was assaulted. I'm not the only, so this woman on the cover of this magazine was too. And in these conversations, you find your footing. It's beautiful. Thank you. I would like to say that that was very conscious and it really wasn't. It would make me sound more clever and brilliant. <laughs> you know, be like, oh, I crafted that. <laughs> but I didn't. And it's been, I mean, I love you pointing that out. It's just, and I think, you know, my one of my favorite parts about the book coming out not one of the is is the conversations that I get to have this conversation right here right now right not even just about the book uh but about it all and that's so true and I I wonder if perhaps part of that was written that way well one I think about that often in terms of with writing I'm not interested like I'll get caught up in like how does Rilke get to the other side of the room like, or how does she get from here to, to A to B? And I'm like, well, I don't care. I'll just put her there. <laughs> right. I don't need to like go into all of this stuff. Um, however, it is in, and it's interesting to hear you say that with, with how it jumps, you know, especially in the earlier parts of the book, because some of my favorite writing is the opposite. And I don't write like that. Like, uh, mm. like Newt Hampson, uh, I don't know if you've read Hunger, but yeah, it just like, I mean, I don't know, it's three days in the whole book or it, it's one long moment. It, yeah. Like, right. Like this broke writer, if I'm remembering him, it's my favorite book. So I should remember one of my favorite books, even though I know uh, he was me, you know, had, you know, un, un political views. However, I don't think it takes his away from his writing uh, but that's slowing down in all the conversation and he does take you from point a to point b in the minutiae and i don't write like that i don't either and i think that you know someone like <laughs> like you know uh, you know like hawthorne could write 30 pages on a rose bush right i couldn't do that i also i can't even read 30 pages on a rose bush yeah. so the, the the pacing <laughs> i get what you mean about the pacing i'm i'm very much the same way but you know but what's interesting about how it functions in this book is that for example let's go back let's go to israel for a second i was reading that ptsd is the highest in israel than anywhere else on this planet but the the sort of um the cure for ptsd is the highest in israel as well because most people see combat they're in right they're in a in a very intense situation but they come home they live in a community and the community heals the ptsd right because ptsd can go away and so with you know through you know not overnight obviously but it can and i think that by the end of your book you know there is this slowing down where it's like the girl who's 19 turns out we have a lot to talk about and i you felt motherly towards her but because she was a confederate you know um and there's this kind of realization that you look at a woman on a magazine who is beautiful and you think she's got it all but it turns out she had the same situation that you had had right where it's like so in these sudden conversations that weren't happening throughout the book is the healing yeah 
Yeah, but it is those those connections and you know that's why people read right we're often when they say i feel less alone when i read i'm, I'm hearing someone's story i'm getting to see you know the underside uh, or in i mean it's connection that heals it's connection that heals and you know i also think what's really interesting to me is that there's a big difference in life between being looked at and being seen, right? Yeah. And this book, you're, I think you're, throughout the whole book, you're being looked at, right? You're not really being seen. And when someone tells you repeatedly throughout, let's say, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. It's like, that's not really being seen. No. That's being looked at, right? That's, that has, that means, that almost doesn't mean anything, right? No. How did you shape that, that sort of idea of, your visibility to people because it was something i know that you thought about throughout the book because you mentioned you know how are you being being viewed how do you how do you think about now the difference between being looked at and being seen a hard one because <sighs> it's almost like i'm reluctant to talk about it because it's so in a way cliche and boring to talk about social media however it is been a part like i don't think i would have met you if it wasn't for finally getting on Instagram a few months ago. Right. <laughs> you know? Although you, you and I have been, it turns out we're Facebook friends for a long time. I didn't even know that. <laughs> so, which is weird. But that, okay, anyway, yes. Yeah. Well, that is, that is. Maybe it has to do with the Bay Area thing. I don't know. Because you're in Santa Cruz, right? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. So Santa Cruz, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That is, that is. Uh, and being seen and being looked at, that's such a hard one. And it takes so much energy to be seen and to be looked at. And to be seen on social media is very hard and very time consuming in my, for me. Like, I'm not, I'm new to it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, <laughs> like no followers like I'm not you know however I I am I I download I'm there and sharing some of the things that I'm doing in the sharing like how much am I gonna like how how am I presenting that so it's not just how I'm being looked at I want to be seen however that takes a lot for me because I'm not very savvy at it and I and I my energy is not too interested in it as well how do I portray that, right? Like how much do I show? How much do I share? Uh, there's so much that can go to into each one because each one is like, like I want to share in a, in a post to be seen this, <laughs> right? Versus, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, I kind of do, but I don't know how to articulate it. Uh, I, it's, it's a very. I, I'm struggling with it. <laughs> I don't know. No, but you're. I get what you're saying. You're saying like you have to curate this kind of persona on social media, and you have to you have to decide. It's almost like you become two people, right? You have to decide how much of yourself, and you can regulate how much of yourself is seen and what is seen, right? Yeah. Which is different than walking into Starbucks. 
Yeah. Right. So in, in some ways you have you have more control um, on social media, which is really pretty cool. And by the way, you're doing a great job of it. Um, you really are. And like, okay, so it's for, so for, embarrassing. <laughs> like my embarrassing away because it's like I'm like, ooh, I don't want to seem to this. And then I'm like, oh, that's there's no humility in that. Like it's also just as much ego to kind of be like, ooh, then just to put it there. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. And I love what you said about the the energy that it takes to be both looked at and to be seen does require an energy, whether it's being pulled from you or given to you. And I would imagine that they almost would seem even the same, but they're but they're different. They are different. Where yeah. it seems like, you know, for example, if you're gonna walk into an event where you're gonna do a reading, you know you're gonna be seen and you're gonna be looked at. Both of those things are gonna happen, right? Yeah. Which is so like when you said let's let's zoom or but we or we could just do the phone, you know, yeah. like I, I wanna do the zoom, I wanna see. I want to look in your eye. Like I want to, you know, and your beautiful background and your tasteful, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you're being you're being very kind, but yes. <laughs> no, it's very tasteful. I like it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I put away the dishes so you don't see my dishes. Oh, yeah, actually, no, yours looks better than mine. Yours is sort of like this sunlit thing. I've got a couple of paintings and uh oh the cat isn't there anymore, but he oh he's <laughs> uh, yeah, it's and then two like how important is it to share it all? Like that's, someone said just a couple of days ago to me, like, well, that's someone else's work because like, as I'm putting whatever it is I'm sharing out there, it's, I want to also at the same time say, you know, cause I, I'll have some people message me like, oh, I, I haven't been able to publish my book. It's been 15 years. And I'm like, oh, but yeah, 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 I get it. Like, and so I'll write them in this whole long thing saying it's, me too. <laughs> like, it's not what it seems. Not that I'm like, you know, anybody, but to someone who's just even looking at that, like, no, it's taken me like this. I got this in the mail the other day. I haven't been paid for any story in a literary magazine until now. I'm 52. Like, so it's like posting something like that. Like, how much do you share about it to kind of be transparent? And, but that all takes energy versus just like, right. hey, there's an excerpt in here. <laughs> so what do I do? I don't even post about it yet. <laughs> it's too much. I don't, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's all so much. I know, I know. And people, I used to hate it when when Chelsea Handler, who I like, when, when she used to have her show at night, she would, a guest would come on the show. And the first thing she would say to them is, you look good, right? And if she <laughs> didn't say that, you would think, I became very, it, it's a weird thing to mention, but I remember thinking like, she's evaluating people on what they look like. And I felt that was such a reductive thing to do. I thought, mm -hmm. even if you're thinking that, you, it, it seemed really clumsy to say it. And I thought she was far too smart to yeah. say things like because it felt like it was so minimizing. Um, but to me, like, for example, some of my favorite moments in the book are you're looking out the window and there's a squirrel dragging a fig or a grapefruit and you want to help the squirrel because it seems that they're having it's having trouble it's heavy right to me that's beautiful right that's a beautiful soul and whereas the the and that's somebody who is doing something to me in those pages like that's the beating heart right you're a caring yeah. person 
that's beautiful. And it is those, like when I read those moments where we're all just like, uh, here's something, I don't know. I think that's part of why I love reading poetry so much and why I, I can read that right now. Like my tolerance for taking in more right now is so low, my capacity, because mm. it already feels so filled. And I have all this about my, my father that I'm holding and you know, so we're like when people are like, okay, you know, there's all the, I have like a stack of books on the book tour that I like, I need to read and I need to write a little review on, you know, to help and give back. And I can't read one word, but I can read, you know, a line of a poem or I can read, pick up a book like my stepfather's, right? Like, and I can just, like read one little paragraph and in the weight of that is enough and it reminds me of the squirrel right or it's like the strawberries and the flute where I can just be with that but that's enough that's enough I'm like yeah I think too like when I speak to writing and what you're talking about with the rosebud with you know not being able to read maybe 30 pages or whatever it is of a rosebud hmm. same I, I can't either Unless there's a lot of white space, <laughs> like this page, which right. the listeners can't see, but this is a page of a book where there's maybe 10, uh, 30 lines. No, not even that, but it's, that's it on the whole page. And I like, like that's, I, I think there was, there was that deliberate part with my writing in the book where I was like, I wanted it to be like digestible. So you could just like look like flip it through and be like oh that sounds like an interesting chapter you know the silent man with scorpions in his hair so it's like these little bite sized so it becomes like the little squirrel dragging the the grape right you don't even have to read the whole thing and that was the one thing that I was kind of disappointed at and I didn't push with the publishers I there's 75 little chapters I wanted them listed at the front and I didn't push for that because I wanted it to be where I like to look at the front of a book and be like, well, that sounds interesting. And I'll look and I'll be like, oh, I can just read that one little, like that in itself. It's like, oh, and I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but it always reminds me of the squirrel dragging the little, the the, the heavy grapefruit, <laughs> right? Where it's like, oh, you know, like maybe I just want to read that from that book strip. Or right. maybe I just want to read uh, Dope and Bald Pussies. Right. Maybe fuck the squirrel. Excuse my language. You can cut that out. And I just want to read that. <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. want to read about the fluke for layers and the pretty, you know, uh, whatever. I'm glad that you didn't do that because I think that people might just jump to dope and bald pussies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I especially coming from you, I appreciate that. So then I don't have to regret that anymore. Yeah. No, no. That's true, because I would, I would jump, I wouldn't jump to something about a squirrel. I'd be like, "Well, oh, dope and bold. Yeah, what's that about?" And yeah. then I might be a little disappointed. I'd be like, "Huh?" Yeah, <laughs> I would, I would probably jump straight to dope and bald pussies too. And I'd say, "Well, it's Thanksgiving. Why not just jump to that chapter <laughs> in the spirit of the day?" Um, no, I think it worked out great the way it is because those those chapter headings are so um, they're so interesting that every time you get to them, they're like a little surprise. Um, so I think it works the way that it does. I really do. Um, 
there what's interesting to me is that there's also like you mentioned the Beatles and Joni Mitchell and the songs and the the playing in the park but there when you were in LA there was all this music that was happening around you and you don't mention anything about the music scene and i wonder did the music did the music scene of the 90s or late 80s, that was an exciting time to be in LA. I think you were there when like Guns N' Roses and all that Sunset Strip stuff was happening. Yeah. You didn't You didn't mention, and I'm just wondering if that was a part of your life. I absolutely, like one of my favorite things, uh, like the things that I've gotten to do since the books come out has been very, some of them very fun, like uh, Large Hearted Boy Playlist. I, I saw that. Okay, so getting to make a playlist for the book oh my it was so much fun like I just want to make more because it not necessarily for large because I don't you know I don't think he does like a second round <laughs> but just for myself because uh I could go on and on and yes and that was such a huge part in the 90s like you say especially because my sister and I and this is a whole other uh I guess books. So there are there is a lot percolating. <laughs> uh, now that you're, yeah, <laughs> I, might, I might just for, you know forget the uh, Thanksgiving and just write for the rest of the day. I won't do that. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going for the waffles in the, in the pumpkin, yeah. You know, instead, I uh, yeah, like we were groupies with Jane's Addiction. We were late bloomers, but like I go to Kings Road, this coffee shop, and we would you know. I don't know. She was 21. I was 24. We, you know, during our stripping days, and we'd go and get our coffee and run into, uh, we attacked uh, Dave Navarro and Chad and, you know, these people. And, and we were obsessed with Perry Farrell. And then we just uh, started, yeah, we were little groupies, <laughs> little daytime groupies with them, you know. And so, yeah, that, I mean, uh, we blasted Jane's addiction and, 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 uh, and, oh, I shouldn't say this, but we would sit in front of Anthony Kiedis's house with our yogurt. I didn't include that in the book, but we would just sit there with our yogurt and just wait for him. And then one time I, we brought him like a birthday cake. And I remember like, you know, the doorbell and then putting it there. And then someone came down and invited us in. I'm like, no, we don't want to go in. We just want to sit outside. Like, anyway, we're crazy. So going back to the music, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A very, very big part of it. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, Tupac and Big Daddy. And uh, I live near where Big Daddy was shot now. Uh, that's on a totally different note. <laughs> well, but, I mean, this is such a big part of, of it. Yeah. That that would have been really great to include in the book because it was a very rich musical time uh, are you talking about puff, when puff daddy was shot was that the whole uh big daddy oh wait was that his name it was big, Biggie, well, biggie smalls in new, in new york right right but there's a uh, big i think it was i think big big daddy am i i can't yeah uh right right next to saint uh, on fairfax in wilshire anyway but yeah. by the way, Perry Farrell, nice Jewish boy. Uh, did you know that? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, nice Jewish. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you, you know. And, and, and you know, the whole thing about look and see is as we got to know then the people, 
it, there's that real, like, it was actually a great experience. Cause I'm like, oh, I can like someone's art and then not be so interested in hanging out, which was a very good thing for me to learn in my 20s. Because I just thought, oh, this is, there's, it's a difference. I could love this writer. I could love this singer or dancer and then meet them and be like, this is boring. <laughs> right. Right. Like you don't want to get closer than the art. Right. I'm like, oh, this isn't what, which is helpful when I see, you know, things now and I think they're more than they are. Yeah. It helps right size it. Right. Right. That's a great way to put it. Did you ever have any interaction with Perry? Did you, did you actually ever talk to him or Anthony when you were hanging out at his house over in front of his house? Well, yeah. I mean, when I say we were groupies, yeah, we, I mean, I remember it was uh, maybe, what was that thing in the nineties when you chat with people in a room? Oh, like a chat, like a chat room. Yeah. Chat room. So my sister and I decided we're going to be body Goya. So we were together. Like we were combined as one person. We went in there. It was our only time. And we're like, Hey, does anyone know Perry Farrell? We want to hang out. And like that night we went to a party. Like, I don't know how we did that, but we were bossy little strippers, right? Like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I mean, not that anyone knew we were strippers on there, but we were just, you know, we didn't really have much filter or really care what we thought or sound when, what we sounded like. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, we hung out. <laughs> yeah, I was curious. Like, now I'm name dropping. I'm <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I'm asking because I, because I knew, like, I was thinking, like, where you were in the book, and I thought, okay, that band was there, and that band was there, and I thought it was really interesting how um, you didn't name check them in the book, but I figured there had to be some music adjacent experiences. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, in fact, I think I remember taking mushrooms for the first time with part of that Jane's Addiction band. Well, I know that there were some of them there and yeah, just these strange nights that we had uh, gallivanting about. <laughs> Very strange. Oh, there is a music part in the book. You have like the, it's the, like the most, it's the saddest thing of the guy that was in the Survivor. Like it's, it's like. Oh, right? oh. Oof. I still, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. I'm grateful that you get that. How dreary. I mean, anyone would imagine that it's dreary, but I was doing this uh, podcast in New York last month and um, I was voted the least gnarly drug story. Or at least that's a podcaster said what I, you know, I'm like, Oh, and, you know, so I'm like, I'm like my thing now is I'm trying to remember a gnarly drug story and I cannot. Right. But I would like to go back on the show, but I don't want to make one up just for the sake of going back on the show. <laughs> right. However, that for me is gnarly. Oof. Right. Like Oof. going with Casper and this foot fetish guy that had been putting like just the whole thing. And then going to Eye of the Tiger and his saggy arms and his. And the pumpkin. And the pumpkin and then the wife and then me being with the wife in the kitchen folding plastic bags and mm. the whole thing well for the listener just to let them know that you, you <laughs> end up at the house of one of the guys that was in the band survivor and it yeah, is the singer. was it the singer i think so um but it was so dreary and so um well like a loss of artistic and 
artistic virility, I guess you might say. Um, and just this sort of, it was dreary. It was really dreary. It's like a rotting pumpkin. And there's like a, what a fall from grace. And, um, and that was the only like the musical. <laughs> oh <my God>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I appreciate you bringing that to the front though. And, and maybe it wasn't the singer. I think I was just trying to like sound more interesting right now. Saying, oh, it's a singer. <laughs> Like, yeah, <laughs> more interesting because most people won't even know who that beyond is now. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's um it's a really it's a rough moment where you just go whoa, and and there are a lot of those, and, and there's also I was bracing myself for physical violence that mm -hmm. that thankfully never came in in just in terms of I mean there is obviously. There's sexual violence as a child, and and of course, but just as an adult, I kept because you were traveling in such dark circles and dark areas. Um, I kept waiting for that to happen. I was so, I mean, so grateful that it didn't, um, because it seemed like it, you were teeing it up for you. Um, so that was a that was a a, a relief um, that you didn't have to go through that. Yeah, that is. I was, I very, I'm very fortunate. I mean, there was moments where like, I remember being with these uh, drug dealers uh, in their, you know, garage. That was, I would hang out there often. And I remember these other drug dealers came like Turtle and his gang, and they looked like really guys. And I was going to go off with them and eat drug dealers that I was at in that garage do not go. And I mean, who knows what, I don't know what would have happened. I didn't, obviously I wasn't scared or didn't think of it, it for moments where I think I was um, very fortunate. Yeah, because in the end of the book, you do mention that girls who didn't stay, some of them ended up dead. Whether that was from overdosing or who knows what, um, but you finally acknowledge that mortality is a possibility. Yeah, which is something I really don't talk about in the book. And when, and when I'm thinking about it now, it was such a huge part of my drug use was thinking I'm, I, I'm ending my life short because I was, I was doing so much damage to myself and knowing that, I mean, now I think I'm, with fentanyl, like you could just, right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I thought about about mortal uh, mortality <laughs> all the time when I was brewing drunks. Uh, so it's interesting that I didn't speak to that. Uh, and many of those girls are not with us today. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, even just putting it out on Craigslist is like a recipe for um, disaster nowadays, you know? Right. So that was in the early days of it. But I was thinking about how in, in early on in the book where you're eating, you know, that sort of 70s hippie thing where it's sort of like tofu and brown rice, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, then throughout the book, it's like you're eating the exact opposite of <laughs> It's like 7-Eleven food and you're like, you know, and I thought well, your, your dad certainly had the right idea with, with that diet was a, was a pretty, he was pretty forward thinking in terms of that. It was a good diet. 
and now in my fridge and I went shopping last night and I you know was filling my fridge with stuff I'm like oh my god I have six containers of tofu in there there you go and yeah I'm not I mean I'm eating only junk food today that's the deal with Thanksgiving you know? yeah. Like, that's the understanding of it. That's yeah. the understanding. However, it's, it's still much of the same, but it's now it's both. Uh, yeah, I was going to say something about complete. Yeah, I just. With uh, what was it before the food that you were just saying? I was saying that that sort of 70s hippie thing, like how about like that diet that you're like your dad. I was thinking your dad was very forward thinking in terms of because that's how I try to eat now, you know, Um and he was, he was sort of, and that was a very pop, it's a very California thing too. And I can, being from the Bay Area, I remember all that. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, it was very, it was very forward thinking. I thought all throughout the book when you were like, yeah, I'm just eating a cheese sandwich or whatever at 7-Eleven. I remember thinking like, what about the rice and tofu? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the meditation. I mean, it was so much of that. And then it's like, you know, I, I only just got, well, I won't share how the book ends, but uh, yeah, there's no meditation in the book that I'm yeah. willing to do. However, this morning, you know, how I started my day. So who, you know, it's, it does come. Yeah. You've written an amazing book and it's a book that I think is going to be really instructive and helpful for a lot of people and your willingness to, for lack of a better term, put it all out there, you know, where you sort of, you, you make no attempt to dress it up. It's very frank and very, very brutally honest. And I, I really appreciate your willingness to be so brave and your candor and the, and the, the lack of glamour that you write. It's not a glamorous book. It's, it was not a glamorous um, depiction. And I think that's really important. And, um, and at the same time, the descriptions, the these these moments where noticing a cat doing something or a squirrel doing that or the the foliage um, shows this kind of tremendous poetic sensitivity and it's this beautiful balance and it's a remarkable book. I I really I really loved it and it feels weird to say I loved the experience these horrible experience. I don't you know what I mean. It's, it's no. Like terrible. No, I love it. Are you kidding? This is like I. Uh... <laughs> I, I'm filming this now so I can remember remember this to what you're saying. Yeah, I uh, no, that is funny because I, I I I've read some books where I want to you know review them and say how much I loved them, beautiful, and I'm like, my God, like that the woman's son dies in this book. How am I going to say like right. I love this book? <laughs> so, right. However, I get it and I appreciate it, and I I love that and. Uh, With those places, what you were saying, like the unglamorous part that I was thinking, because I was, you know, up on Sunset Boulevard yesterday and I was driving by the body shop, one of the strip clubs uh, that we worked at, that's still there and it looks just the same. And I want to uh, like take a picture of it and just post it. So people have a ref, like, and then maybe take a little part of the, that paragraph and put it there. So, so people can kind of get a glimpse of, so here's the picture right? And then they can just read a few sentences to kind of hear what, what it really is in there, right? Like just, yeah. I, I like that kind of, and, and I don't have to write any commentary on it. I can just, or swingers, right? Like, oh, here's swingers on Thanksgiving 12 years ago. 
and then cut to my sister and I sitting in booth with this lawyer seeing if he wants to uh, be degraded. Is that the word? Uh, Close enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah with a, you know, he'll have a blueberry muffin. Anyway. Yeah. For people right. this will make no sense. <laughs> yeah. The mo that's the moment where, where, where you just try to look at him meanly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like not a good, I am not a good dominatrix. <laughs> Looking at you mean you better eat that, you know, blueberry muffin and you better eat it now. <laughs> I know you sort of gave your best scowl and your sister's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, look, I'm, I am so glad that you're alive. I'm glad that you're writing. I'm glad that you're healthy. I'm glad to talk to you. Uh, I'm glad to know you. And I just am grateful um, for this conversation. And I'm, I'm so happy you were up for it. Me too, Alex. Thank you so much. It's just like such a gift, especially on Thanksgiving day. Well, any day. I'm glad you're good. And I'm, I'm glad you, glad you sat down with me today. Thank you, Alex. She's just the loveliest. Hannah Sward, she's the greatest. Such a nice person and such a powerful, powerful book. Strip. Go get it. HannahSward.com. It's H-A-N-N-A-H-S-W-A-R-D.com. Pick it up, read it, and uh, experience it. It is quite a journey. AlexGreenOnline.com is where you need to go to find out what's happening with me. You can also follow me on Instagram at Embers Podcast or email me, editor, at StereoEmbersMagazine.com. Check out BombshellRadio.com to find out what makes our radio station tick. And don't forget, like it's going to slip your mind because I'm mentioning it every single week, Stereo Embers the Podcast is available on every single podcast platform on this crazy dying beautiful planet well that's kind of grim dying why did i throw that in there well i guess it kind of is no it's not everything is going to be just fine uh go to the podcast platform that you use subscribe tell all your friends rate and review and then tell all your friends to rate and review it's a nutty circle but you know it does work so we appreciate your support thank you as always for listening to stereo embers the podcast let's close things off with the red hot chili peppers Knock me down. Enjoy it. And thank you as always for supporting us right here on Bombshell Radio.